G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You know, when we read the Bible, there are hundreds of stories of supernatural encounters. From the parting of the Red Sea, Daniel in the lion's den, or his friends preserved in a fiery furnace. In the New Testament, accounts of Jesus walking on water, casting out demons, healing the sick and raising the dead. But what about instances of the supernatural today? What about those instances that have no biblical equivalent that may be present in, say, other religious expressions or even the occult? Well, there are lots of things that can't easily be explained. So how do we as believers process these things? Well, our special guest today is pastor of a multi-campus church expression with the denomination Acts Global Churches. In his ministry, Pastor Scott Hansey has sought to faithfully teach biblical truth and righteousness, but also be expectant of the power of the Holy Spirit, keeping Pentecost alive and well until Christ's return. Pastor Scott Hansey is the lead pastor of Awaken Church across four campuses in Wollongong, Canberra, Lake Macquarie and Launceston. And he'll be hosting the upcoming Supernatural Conference on the 13th through the 15th of July in Wollongong. Pastor Scott Hansey, a special welcome along to 2020. Great to be here. What a what an interesting subject. I think we've just uh, got a few ears uh, pricked up to hear what's going on. I think, and as I often say, Scott, uh, this might be one of those conversations you might want to lean in just a little closer to the radio so you don't miss the finer points, and you might even be prepared to offer your own two bobs worth uh, in being part of this conversation. Scott, let me just start uh, with your own uh, connection to or what's driving you, what leads you to be someone who is quite happy and open to pursue an understanding of the supernatural. This takes you back, doesn't it, to your own conversion experience? Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I'd probably, I'd probably say it followed me rather than I followed it. Um, so, at seventeen years of age, coming to Jesus in a in a Baptist church that at that point was really just experimenting with uh, supernatural things. They really didn't have a lot of understanding. I had no understanding. Uh, radically saved, radically gave my life to Jesus. And uh, that evening uh, started having these weird encounters with uh, spiritual beings uh, and had no concept of what was happening to me. Uh, Went to the local leadership of that church, hoping that they would be able to help me because it was quite quite overwhelming, to be honest with you. Um, And uh, they put their hands in the air and said, we also have no idea. So... That became my lifelong journey of learning and trying to find the scriptures that would give me some insight into what was happening and how to battle it. 
Uh, just for listeners, uh, let's just ask you here. I mean, you weren't hallucinating because of a drug experience at the time. Uh, you know, you're a young man in a Baptist church. Uh, you know, uh, can you let us know if, uh, you know, if there was anything there that might have been, you know, causing your mind to drift into all sorts of different areas? No, no, I wasn't a drug taker. Uh, and if mum's listening, there you go. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but even though even though I wasn't from a church background, I really wasn't into a lot of things. I was quite interested in sports, so health was quite a big thing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no no foreign substances to take me into that realm, and no prior experience in that realm. No seance, occultish activity, nothing to sort of lead me in that direction. And these things can shape us in the direction we go. And uh, all these years later, it's been quite a few decades now since you were 17, and you develop <laughs> wisdom along the way. And as you say, you've sought God. You've searched the scriptures around these things. But let me just take you into, Scott, uh, the supernatural might be from all sorts of dimensions, uh, we often usually like to specialise in our own Christian dimension, the Christian expression of what happens in supernatural things. But there are alternative religions and there's the occult. Uh, these sorts of things that people dabble in, they also are supernatural expressions. What are your thoughts here about how you think about the supernatural? Because it's not all coming from the God of the Bible. Yeah, that's right, Neil. I remember uh, the first time I went overseas to a country that had fake products and how excited I was to get these fakies. You know, everyone told me about these fakies, uh, thinking I was going to get a, an absolute bargain. Well, I, I found a pair of shoes that were Nikes, not realising they were Nikes, N-A-K-E. Uh, so excited at the price. They looked very similar to the real thing, except for the quality uh, and so obviously they didn't last very long. I believe in the supernatural. Uh, the enemy himself cannot reproduce the same power of God, but he will definitely counterfeit with uh, things that look very similar but are not the real thing. Uh, that word counterfeit might be a really important one uh, for people who are discerning you know, what is from God and what's not from God. Is that, is that the simplest way to boil it down? Uh, you may be able to discern as your maturity comes from an understanding of Scripture what is from God. Uh, and if those there are things that are outside of that discernment, then we might be able to say that's not from God. Is that a, a too simplistic? No, it's not simplistic. I think, look, when I was working through this in the early stages, having accountability with others that were wise also was very helpful. Um, so I was learning my own discerning. We know that one of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians is discerning of spirit, and this is where this really comes into play. Um, but, you know, to learn that to learn that skill, and if that's the right word to use, really it was also bouncing those thoughts off other like-minded, wise people to get their counsel, and I think that's a really important part to play in, in going forward. When we use that terminology, supernatural, uh, as Christians, we sometimes group a whole lot of things under the word miracle. You know, the supernatural happens, oh, it's been a miracle. And, uh, you know, sometimes, let me just, uh, you know, in defining this, so you've got signs and wonders and healings and deliverance, you know, some supernatural provision, uh, even the timing of opportunities that come our way, and we say that can't have happened by itself. Extraordinary things that happen uh, when we 
are open to understand divine power. If we're talking miracles, I mean, there's division in the church, isn't there? Some people have no idea about miracles. Others think they're experts on them. What are your thoughts here for this word miracle? Well, I'm definitely not an expert. I want to just go there. But um, look, I think I I, I like keeping things simple. I love studying the word and, and Bible college, and I'm still studying to this day. But I always like to keep these things very simple, and I believe Jesus did as well. So for me, it's always taking the natural and adding the super. You know, it's as simple as that. So so anything that's outside of the realm of the natural that happens outside our own means becomes a super God, God in, intervened supernatural phenomena. Now, one of those you mentioned was miracles. Um, miracles are those things that are performed outside of let's call it the physics of today's world that we live in. Walking on water was a classic miracle. Um, it's not possible. I've, I've attempted it many times, Neil, and failed. <laughs> time and time again. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, it's a great party trick if it would work, but unfortunately it doesn't. Uh, yeah, so I, I believe it's, uh, yeah, miracles are for today. There is a lot of thought around this, a lot of Christians, a lot of denominations that are divided over this area. Of course, there are those who say some of those sorts of biblical-level miracles uh, are not happening today, and they'll shift the focus to what they say are the biggest miracles. And we might all agree on this, so I'll just run this by you, because you know when you're having a, uh, an, a, a, an encounter with God, a spiritual experience, sometimes the biblical words uh, come around regeneration or a new birth. Uh, sanctification, uh, having faith, uh, of course, in God, the higher power, and uh, even prayer, answered prayer. These are all miraculous in the broadest sense, and some like to say the biggest miracles are what happens in the individual's life, uh, a regeneration, a salvation. What are your thoughts here for, you know, if you were if you were comparing the two sorts of miracles? Yeah, look, I, I would agree. I think the greatest miracle we can have begins with salvation. There is no doubt. And in any of my meetings that I conduct, any any opportunity I have to speak, the opportunity for people to come to Christ will always be seen to be the greatest miracle. But, you know, in my own marriage, as an example, the wedding day was a big day. There's no doubt. Um, but ongoing, there was a lot of small things that happens within our relationship that are equally as important, but not necessarily those larger events. They add to the relationship or they add to our ability to trust and value one another. And I think that's what God does in our own life with these miracles. Let's come to Scripture here because you've been a student of Scripture and miracles have been a part of your own experience, the supernatural, be that good or bad. Um, where do we come? Where do we start with scripture? Do you think when we're trying to make an assessment of miracles? Well, I think we start with let's say Mark chapter sixteen, you know, verse twenty, where Jesus, you know, said, you know, basically go, go and teach and preach, and my signs and wonders will follow. And I think this is, you know, a crucial part to begin with because Jesus Himself gave us all authority. He said, "I want you to go out and share the good news, evangelize." And he said, as part of that, I will back up my word. And I think this is a, this is a key, not your funny jokes or your incredible stories, but I will, I will verify my word by signs and wonders, signs pointing and wonders pointing back to Jesus. That's the whole purpose of a sign and wonder. So I think that's a good place to start. 
This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We are, you might say, in the deep end and talking about the sorts of phenomena that you might see either in a Christian church, you might have experienced some of these things in your own life, you might have been sceptical of all of these sorts of things and wondering, are these things from a spiritual realm? Does this come from God? Is this a counterfeit? Does it come from outside of God? Of course, you know, is there God and the devil? Uh, are there angels? Are there demons? Do they make these things happen? Well, hey, uh, we're having a conversation about these things today and one 316 to join in our conversation with Pastor Scott Hansey. He's going to be hosting the upcoming Super Supernatural Conference in Wollongong. Uh, Scott, before we take any calls, um, one of the motives that you have in addressing the supernatural is to demystify the supernatural. Should this be a part of our usual Christian experience? Is that what you mean by demystifying? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm a big believer in um, just, is that coming through okay? Yep. Um, just, yeah, sorry. Just making sure that. Um, we don't. We, we make the supernatural natural in in the sense of some clear communication, clarity around what it is, what it isn't. What does the Bible say about it? We know that there's extremism in all areas of life, and definitely in this particular area within church, within Christianity, we have seen extremism, and it's it's disappointing to me because it actually turns people away from a very thing that could be a beautiful experience. So, um, yeah, that's my heart. Let's take some calls. Who knows where our conversation will go on a day like this, talking about the supernatural, talking about the hand of God, uh, even the finger of God, which would be a nice biblical connection here too. Let's take some calls. Penny is in Jeeveston in Tasmania. Hi, Penny. Welcome. Hello, Neil. Hello, our speaker, how are you? We are well. Um, Penny, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that this is the most interesting subject to be talking about, and I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, my experiences have both been uh, great and bad. What well, The first encounter I ever had was um, when I lived at home and um, I had gone back to church as a young adult and I had a, a double bunk um, in my room and I was on the top and a great big six foot long sliding door. And most people would say, oh, you fell over the top. Well, no, I didn't. When my mother came in, I said to her, I was pushed. And she understood what I meant. And there was a large, I felt a large hand on my back and pushed me over the top of the bed. Penny, and let's let's just pick up on, uh, on some of the things you're sharing here. And uh, Scott... Uh, is there a, uh, you know, is it typical that people who, when they're describing their supernatural experience, uh, even have a physical encounter or 
this impression. I was pushed, and uh, this doesn't sound like it would be the presence of God. Uh, it would be pushing someone like this uh, over and uh, hurting themselves. Uh, thoughts from you for Penny? Yeah, look, thank you, Penny. Thank you for sharing so openly. And I think your story is common to many, many people, in Christian and non-Christian alike, that I speak to. Most people actually have had some sort of supernatural encounter, and that would be the word I would use, uh, on varying degrees. But look, what you speak of there is definitely uh, definitely happens, and uh, often it's connected with, uh, not always, but often connected to what we call a familiar spirit or a generational spirit. And I would say that there's probably some connection in your background to uh, something that's gone on, uh, you know, in a, in a demonic type of sense that you may or may not be aware of. So you've sort of stepped into something there and had the consequence of it. Penny, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. It's a big topic to talk about these things uh, because when you start to talk about things that hang on from even generation to generation or things you might have been exposed to in your younger years, it may be demonic connections and they can have some sort of manifestation, uh, I guess, even when you have made a decision to follow Christ. Hey, we're taking calls. Let's take another call. Leon is in Sydney. Leon, Welcome along. Uh, hi. How are you? God bless you. Leon, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thought is that, you know, the Lord is still making miracles um, today. Um, my experience, you know, um, 1997, March 19, I uh, was just working um, as a paint and decorator, and I just pulled them from three floor and a half. And the people knew that was, I was a Christian. I shared the gospels with many of them. And obviously, in contracting on people, they don't take it serious. But um, I fall down from three, four and a half. And then um, I, I remember, you know, that um, everyone was expecting for me to be dead. Um, they took me to a hospital in the ambulance. And, um, well, when I got to the hospital, there was not a broken bone, uh, not a single scratch in my body. But it wasn't just a miracle for myself. It was a miracle um, for the people that was there. That was a great thing that... Uh, it, it was because uh, there was, uh, the Lord chose his love and mercy for the people who was there, but also the hospital, because um, people that also expected me for me to, to leave from the day the accident, from the place of the accident to the hospital. Everyone was expecting that I was going to be um, dead in the, in the way to the hospital. Leon, great to hear that story. And what happens to you has an effect on others. Uh, thoughts here, Scott Hansey? Yeah, look, again, I love this testimony because it points back to, and Leon done that, which is fantastic, and he's pointed back to Jesus. And I think that's where the church sometimes has gone wrong, that we take the glory for ourselves rather than using it as an opportunity to, to lift him higher and, and increase his influence on people's lives. So well done, Leon. Appreciate that. Leon, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Uh, we're not too far out from news. Let's take another call. Carol is in Alumba in North Queensland. Hi, Carol. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Good, Carol. What are your thoughts here for our conversation? I just want to um, say that, um, like, when my sister and I and my brother were kids, when we were about 12, I was 12, and my sister would have been about 15, and my brother was two years younger than me. We went to live with our aunt and uncle, 
who were deeply involved in what was called spiritualism, and they used to have seances in that in their houses, in their homes. And when we went to live with them, we we didn't know anything about this, and we had no knowledge of it. And they, when they had a, the first meeting when we lived there, they invited us, and they said, "Oh yeah, you kids can come and sit in too." And so we went, and they invited us to sit in it, and we sat in it, and they couldn't make contact. They said, there's something blocking it. They said, and we can't make contact with with the um, spirit world. And they blamed us. And, and Carol, at that time, you were you were a believer. You were a Christian. And, uh, and they're saying, oh. because of your presence? Is that what you're saying? No, we weren't Christians then. Like, mm. we, had no, we, we didn't know anything. And then later on, like, they stopped us from actually being in that. In it, they sent us off to our room, and then they eventually stopped having the seances in their home, and they'd go somewhere else because they said we were the cause of them not being able to make contact. And then years later, me and my sister became a born again Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost, and we've been Christians ever since. And when we began to understand and hear the teaching about the Holy Ghost and about the Spirit, you know, God, Jesus, we. We both said God must have had His hand on us back then. Wonderful because story, Carol. We never got let's by any of that. Let's hear from Scott Hansey. Uh, can God preserve you through those times? Because uh, some people are exposed to seances, and and yes, I know that in many churches they'll say uh, that we can pray for you and set you free from some of the things that hold on to you. But what are your thoughts here for Carol? Well, my thoughts are what a wonderful God, because exactly what Carol said, they were protected um, from those those uh, influences, and uh, and why sometimes people are and some people are not. I don't know that I'm not God, but I can definitely hear in that story that they were protected and even disrupted the spirit realm. So, uh, isn't God good? He used a couple of kids to disrupt what what the the devil was using for for wrong. So. Fantastic story. And just while uh, we've got Carol still on the line, asking you the question here, Scott Hansey, uh, if someone has been in these sorts of uh, supernatural experiences, say at a seance, is it something that you should seek some sort of help, support? Uh, Are there some things that might have held on to you from those times in a bad spiritual way that you can get some, uh, some help from your pastor? Well, this is a passionate area of mine, Neil, and uh, so <laughs> it's going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole, but a- absolutely, because, uh, well, there's two sides to this. One is if you are a Christian giving your life to Jesus, we have some very strict instruction on what we expose ourselves to and what we don't. Um, right throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, we see that God's people were always called to be different or to be set apart. And my my pet thing at the moment, and has been for a few years, is I can't tell the difference sometimes between Christians and non-Christians um, because we're crossing over into all sorts of boundaries. Uh, the word is very clear that, of course, the devil has no power over one of God's children, but the only power he does have is that which we surrender to him. So, therefore, if someone opens themselves up to, as a Christian, seances and all those things, yes, they can be affected. They need to renounce it, repent of it. And uh, I suggest if you're part of a local church, get some people to pray with you and just that repentance prayer and break 
any power or influence. If you're not a Christian, you need to come to Christ first to break the back of it and the hold of it through the power of Jesus and then go through the same process with some of the church leadership as you find a local church. Uh, Scott, I think uh, if you're happy, let's just keep taking some calls from listeners who are very interested, no doubt, in this topic. Let's first of all hear from Kalina in Strawn in Tasmania. Kalina, welcome along. Hello. Uh, My question for Scott is, and it's a question that came up at our Bible study this last week, are demons fallen angels? Okay, Scott, uh, give us some theology here. Are demons fallen angels? Well, firstly, thank you for the question. Uh, Yes, they are. And we know that from Scripture uh, in a number of places, but particularly Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, speaks of those things. I don't have time to reference them directly, but they do speak of that. We know that Lucifer himself was uh, a key angel, one one of the head angels, particularly over the area of worship which is interesting when you think about the music industry today. Uh, But uh, he overseen a particular area. He started to believe that he could be God, uh, not want to serve God, but actually become God. We know that pride entered his heart. And so because of that, pride bringing sin, sin cannot be in the presence of God. So therefore he was uh, cast out of heaven, as we understand, And along with him, he then took a third of the angels with him that he enticed to join him, which is what we now call demons or the fallen angels. So that's where that understanding comes from. Kalina, I hope that was a good response. Thank you for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Betty is in Bundamba in Queensland. Hi, Betty. Welcome along. Oh, hi, Neil and Scott. Um, just I'll tell it as quickly as I can. Um, this happened over 40 years ago. I was uh, lying in my bed at night after midnight. My husband had left the house. He's long gone. Um, but um, he had suffered from bipolar, so he'd gone off angry, and I was, I was in fear, and I was lying there praying. I was on my back, and through the door, I had the door closed, came this huge figure, all white, no face, uh, in the shape of a, figure, uh, a, a person, and came and stood by my bed, and then and I'd been reading about angels, and I knew you could ask them, you know, talk to them. <laughs> anyway, I was trying to talk to them, and I couldn't move. It was as if I'd been shackled around my legs, my arms by my side. I could not move. I could not. I was mouthing the words, but no, no sound would come out. I was trying to ask the person what did they want and what did he want, uh, who was he. Anyway, my heart was thumping and beating so so much through, I thought my heart was going to burst through my chest. Anyway, and then after a couple of minutes, it just went out through the door, disappeared again. Uh, interesting story, Betty. And, uh, you know, you might say, I'm trying to work out, is this a good story or a bad story? Uh, because here's this figure in white. Sometimes we associate that with the good angels and uh, not the demons. Uh, anyway, Scott, your thoughts here for Betty? Yeah, look, I think very similar to what you said, Neil. I think sometimes we've just got to discern that. And I think our listener uh, would, would know how they felt at that moment, whether you feel a peace or you feel... Uh, a demonic sense or an evil sense, uh, you will definitely feel fear regardless. And we see that right throughout 
uh, particularly the early church, we see that each time an angel came, he always said, fear not, which I always found quite funny uh, because, of course, fear is the first emotion we, we experience. Uh, but look, yeah, it's not uncommon for what you're expressing there. And I think it's just a matter of going, well, it seemed like you're in a vulnerable position. Uh, you were in a place of fear yourself with what was happening within the home. You were a Christian. So there is a high, high probability that it was what we call a ministering angel, an angel that has been sent to just simply minister to you, to bring peace to you and to bring some comfort in that sort of situation. So that may be what was happening in that situation. Betty, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. 1-800-316-316. Let's keep taking some calls. Mike is in Tasmania. Hi, Mike. Welcome. Uh, good morning. Yes, the, the, the multitude of angels are, are caring for humanity and, and even better, Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Uh, wonderful thoughts, Mike. A uh, response from you, Scott? Amen. Great preaching. I agree with you. And uh, that really is. And, and, and I want to say this, Neil, just very quickly. In everything that we're talking about today, and particularly from my perspective, and I know, Neil, we are not here to glorify evil or the devil or anything of that nature. And that's where this balance comes into play between the word and spirit, which we may get onto a little later. Mike, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Let's keep taking calls. Pinky, driving a truck, hey. no doubt. Hey, Pinky, welcome. No, not today. I'm actually at home today. You're at home today. All right. Well, what yes. are your thoughts for our conversation? I have. Um, just uh, for, you, uh, for, the, for yourself and uh, your caller there that you've got on there, uh, your Scott, uh, yep. Um, Scott, uh, when I uh, left uh, Tully and came down to Brisbane, I got attacked through the radio, believe it or not, as you were speaking of, of um, the ministry from the devil being an angel of uh, music. And when I turned the radio off, I still, get, uh, still got attacked. But when I prayed and um, rebuked it, it went away. Okay, this is an interesting dimension here because the music we listen to, and we might even get Scott's thoughts here on uh, the things that we're exposed to, uh, the things we're hearing, the things that we're seeing. Uh, here's an instance here where there's certain, uh, you know, uh, a spirituality even in the music. Thoughts here for Pinky Scott. Yeah, well, thank you, Pinky. I appreciate that input. Look, it's uh, it's what your experience there is real, and it happens with many, many people, as I've mentioned. Uh, look, I am a, a big believer on making Christians aware that we have two entry points of influence, uh, particularly that can affect us uh, either for good or bad. We know that Colossians says in chapter four, verse uh, eight, uh, to dwell on or meditate on things that are pure and true and of excellence and are worthy, all those type of things, talking about, you know, what we meditate on is, is crucial. Now, how do we meditate? What, where, where is the pathways to that meditation? Well, it's what we refer to as the eye gates and the ear gates. In other words, what we see and what we hear. So therefore, you know, we need to be very much aware of those two gates and what we allow to come in and out of those particular areas. 
Okay, let's leave it there because there's so many calls coming through. Penky, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's keep taking calls. Kaz is in Wyala in South Australia. Hi, Kaz. Hi, how are you? Really good. What are your thoughts? Good. Okay, I had a dream that I was in my church and I had this really bright light around me and um, it was warm and I could see all the other people in the church. I could see the pastor, um, but I could just feel this warmth around me and this glow, like a, a light glow. And I don't know what it was. You're taking us into uh, visions and dreams and those sorts of things. Scott, your thoughts for Kaz? Well, I do believe that the Lord still speaks to us by his spirit through dreams and visions. There's no doubt. And I think what we're hearing there is, is one of those experiences. The fact that you're using terms like warmth, glow, you're in a church setting, would probably say to me that there is something positive happening there. Let's start there and say it's a positive experience. Um, really, it's a matter of discerning what is God trying to say. But look, those things still are still real, are still experienced, and still uh, God is speaking to us via those systems. So very exciting to hear. Well done, Kaz. Thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Eris is in Hawthorne in Brisbane. Hello, Eris. Welcome. Yeah. Hello, uh, what's your name again? Neil's my name and Scott is our guest. Okay, Neil and Scott, yes. Um, I've had God heal me a few times. Uh, in 1994, uh, RX7 hit me 180Ks. And uh, I don't remember it, but the, uh, the, the, way the two ambulance officers came. They'd won Brisbane, they worked really quick. Neil got in the back. He hit me, I ran over the stoplight and hit a cliff. Ripped the seat out of the back and threw me up against the back doors. Okay, uh, Eris, I'm not sure uh, we're hearing everything personally, uh, just uh, crystal clear in the way you're communicating that. But, uh, Scott, you picked up there uh, something of God's preservation, I think, that Eris is giving attention to here uh, in a significant event. <laughs> It sounds like that there was a number of angels on guard that day. Uh, you know, we have protective angels, so I won't go into the role of angels, but uh, angels are sent from, from the heavens for protection, for encouragement, uh, for a whole array of things. And it sounds like on that particular day, there was overtime paid to those angels uh, because they definitely protected you. And what a great story, what a great miracle, and you still live with us today. So thank God for that. Eris, thank you so much for your call. Let's just squeeze in one more call because uh, I've got a few things just to run by Scott uh, before we let him go today. And I might even just get him to be prepared to lead us in a prayer at the end of this conversation. But let's take one more call. Peter is in Hamilton in Victoria. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Hello, uh, Neil and Scott. Look, um, just listening to your, your talk back there, and um, I, I think that, Prayer is one of the most supernatural things you can actually do because that lady that rang up about the seance and um, when she was a child and the, and the spirits wouldn't come into the room, maybe somebody was praying for them. I don't know. <laughs> huh. I know I pray for my children and my grandchildren every day. And we don't know what that happened, what happens behind the scenes there. But um, I believe that uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing and I think it's supernatural um, in itself. 
So that prayer, is just prayer itself. a wonderful thought, Peter. Scott, your thoughts for Peter? Yeah, Peter, look, I would agree with you. And, you know, it's often difficult in these settings to really cover everything. I, I'm a big believer in Ephesians and the, the armour of God, uh, you know, the weapons that have been given to us, both offensive and defensive. Uh, so, you know, we know prayer is one of those weapons, amazing weapon. And we also know the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So uh, thank you, Peter. And a great reminder that prayer is one of those amazing weapons in the spirit realm. Peter from Hamilton, thank you so much for your call. Let's just stay with this for a moment here, Scott, because if someone can pray for my protection, uh, then there is a element that's going on in the spiritual battle that's around us uh, that can preserve an individual, could preserve a husband, a wife, uh, our children, uh, our siblings, wherever they might be. We're reminded that we're in a spiritual battle here and sometimes we're not putting much emphasis on the value of our prayers for our loved ones and for our pastor and for our church. What are your thoughts here about the battle and how you might navigate that, the role of prayer even, uh, in in the whole uh, uh, battle? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, often in the Western world, and I'll call uh, bring Australia obviously into that, uh, Christian-wise, I think our greatest danger is uh, apathy and relaxation. Uh, often when we come to Christ, we think we're getting on a cruise ship on a banana chair with a pina colada, when actually we're enlisting onto a warfare vessel uh, that is under constant threat. And I think if we can really change our thinking to realise that, I think we would pray differently we would be more committed to, say, church programs or, you know, coming together a lot more often to encourage one another. So, yes, I believe in the power of prayer. We can pray. And the great thing about prayer is it's not restricted by location or geographical uh, limitations. It, it's possible to pray for someone in another country right now and believe God to do something miraculous. So what a great tool. So if I say, and I'm talking to you today, you're in Wollongong and uh, I'm sitting here in Brisbane uh, for listeners who are wondering where I am, uh, but I can say, God, bring your special protection on Scott Hansey and it's irrelevant whether you're in Wollongong or whether you're in Timbuktu. Uh, when I pray a prayer like that, uh, believing that God is the one who's the, the preserver and the answerer of prayer, that powerful things can happen in preservation and then even in actions and ways forward and uh, breakthroughs and all sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we've got to be very careful with prayer because prayer is not always instant. And uh, we pray by faith. You know, faith is believing in something, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is believing in something you cannot yet see, but you believe it will come to pass. And that's what prayer is really about. You're praying in faith for protection or whatever it may be over someone else's life. What a great opportunity. Hey, uh, let's talk about churches and the way we address these things. Not every church is big on supernatural things. Um, there's always that element of supernatural because as we talked earlier, salvation itself may be the biggest supernatural thing that happens when someone's taken out of a kingdom of darkness and they are, uh, they are uh, removed into a kingdom of light. Uh, very, very powerful uh, to think about salvation as the greatest miracle. But uh, church is not always well equipped to deal with these sorts of supernatural dimensions. 
but some pastors might have someone to refer others on to. What are your thoughts about the way churches manage uh, issues around the supernatural? Well, I think you know, manage is it's a it's a difficult word when we talk uh, word when we talk about the supernatural. But there is a form of management, and that management obviously begins biblically. We look at you know. Um, the Corinthian church is a great example, was a church that in many ways was out of control when it came to the supernatural, basically because the culture of Corinth was very occultish. It was ve- it was used to supernatural phenomena. Um, that was not unheard of. As a matter of fact, right throughout ancient cultures, supernatural is very much a part of their world. Um, and uh, so the Corinthians were people that uh, were used to supernatural activity. It wasn't, wasn't scary. It was a part of every day. Uh, And Paul says, look, I'm not telling you to stop this. The Apostle Paul never said stop. He actually said, hey, here's some ideas of what we would call now management of how best to allow this to function in the life of the church. So my thought would be let's not let's not throw it all out or the old uh, saying of throw out the baby with the bathwater, but let's try and bring it into a biblical pattern. What do you say to churches that say would uh, would think uh, well if I if I moved my people into uh, you know being accessing the supernatural that somehow rather there's a risk in that that someone's going to go off on some extreme or they're going to be led down the garden path on all sorts of things that might take them out of the things that we often will say we want to prioritize in the gospel, you know, the preaching of the gospel and discipleship. Um, what are your thoughts here for, you know, for even fear of the supernatural that might happen in the lives of believers? Yeah, well, I think that's you've, you've hit a subject that is really what's happening in our churches within Australia's context is this fear of, you know, past experience of supernatural charismatic activities where they were taken into extremism. And so pastors have now gone, that's too messy. Let's bring it back to conservative a little bit more and let's not allow any of that. Uh, That's not what the Holy Spirit desires, I can tell you that. He very much wants to demonstrate his power to glorify Jesus. But at the same time, it's going to take strong leadership. And that's really what it's about, having the ability to stand up and lead the people. Uh, Will you get flesh? Well, yes, you will. I think we've got to understand that you're always going to have an element of flesh. When I say flesh, I'm meaning extremism, people doing things in their own strength, own ability. Uh, But let's not just put it all to one side and say we don't need it because we desperately do. So when we're talking miracles and in church, perhaps even in our families, uh, coming back to, let me just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end here and I'm going to ask you to pray in a few moments. But um, Luke chapter 11, verse 20 uh, is a, a scripture that comes around miracles and, you know, a sign that God is present, uh, supernatural manifestation, spiritual gifts, a laying of hands, a prayer, The presence of miracles today, Scott, and uh, in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, and Jesus said, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So as a sign that God is present, uh, these sorts of supernatural phenomena, we do want to be able to discern what is from God and if we do see a miracle we know that God is present and active any thoughts here around the way these things work in practice 
Yeah, well, I think, uh, look, again, my simplicity of theology is if uh, if there is anything in the room, and let's call it church, but anything in the room that is not of God, if God is in the room, it's going to manifest. Uh, it's as simple as that. And so, you know, if we're having church services, not everybody in sitting in there is, you know, maybe following Christ in the sense that we understand as believers, uh, then if our services are open to the presence of God in all his power and might, of course there has to be a reaction. And so we should be seeing a lot more activity in our local churches. Uh, one more scripture, because I had a bunch uh, written down. Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 5 through 7. Jesus heals the paralytic with a purpose. And he says to those who are watching, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. And we might even think about our own reaction uh, if we're seeing a miracle happen. He will might say, oh, it might be easier to say your sins are forgiven. But uh, just to prove it, but he goes on to say, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man got up and he went home. So the sign that happened in the miracle was to affirm what was happening more deeply, that your sins are forgiven. Uh, there's something pretty powerful in that because miracles don't happen for our entertainment, but there's a motivation here. And Scott, uh, thoughts here, because sometimes people are entertained, they'll chase after miracles, when mm. in actual fact uh, it's our sins being forgiven that, that Jesus here is focusing on. Mm. Absolutely. I love that you brought this to the table, Neil, and I, I think that's the issue is people chasing the goosebump experience of the miraculous rather than understanding the purpose of the miraculous. The purpose, as we've said uh, over this period, is to really glorify the name of Jesus, to lift his name above every other name. Uh, Jesus did that. He, he demonstrated that purely for the people to see that he had authority and that word authority is powerful. He had authority over every demonic activity, even to the point of forgiveness of sin. So he then says, I'm leaving. I'm going to give you all authority. So now you and I, not pastors and been to Bible college, but you and I who are believers uh, have now that authority through his name to do the miraculous. We should be continuing it as, as the early church. Wonderful. Well, our time has run out, but Scott, I'm going to ask you if you can lead us in a prayer, because we said uh, wherever you are in prayer, geographically, that should be irrelevant. Uh, so there are those things in the scriptures, the laying on of hands, but, you know, prayers are not geographically bound. So if I ask you to lead us, and perhaps for listeners uh, who have been uh, who have been exposed to areas of spirituality, and it might be alternative religious experience or it could be occult experience it could be that they've just had some sort of um, experience in their life and they're saying that's spiritual but I'm not sure how to interpret that I wonder whether Scott you can lead us in a short prayer and maybe it's a deliverance prayer it might be a healing prayer and uh, for listeners well they'll know uh, it's not as though we'll be able to say, well, this happened and that happened, but some light might like to let us know. I'll give you how you can contact Scott. But Scott, lead us in prayer for those listeners who might like to experience something of God's hand now, today. Fantastic. Well, I will. I'll pray a healing prayer. So if you need healing today, I'd love you to place your hand on that particular area 
uh, and believe God for a healing, miraculous healing, which I've seen numbers of times with cancers and all types of things. So please believe with me in the name of Jesus. Uh, and we'll also pray a deliverance prayer for people to be set free from any strongholds, holds that have held you in a certain spot, in a small place. So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus. We pray now for those who are physically or emotionally unwell. I thank you, as I mentioned, Jesus, your name is above every single name. Whatever the name of that sickness is, the name of Jesus is above. And so I declare that truth over their physical body. Right now, let the power of your Holy Spirit come upon them. And may they sense a shifting and a changing happening over their lives. I pray for those who have opened themselves up, whether willingly or unwillingly, into the supernatural dimension and somehow been affected through a demonic uh, level. I pray against any witchcraft, occult activity, demonic dreams and visions, uh, whatever it may be, any sort of evilness or heaviness or oppression we speak to that now in the name of Jesus and we break your power and we set them free in the liberty of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for all these miracles today that you are alive, same yesterday, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And the conference that's coming up, Supernatural Conference, 13th to the 15th of July in Wollongong, awakenchurch.life is where you can register for that conference. Pastor Scott Hansey is the lead pastor of Awaken Church across four campuses, Wollongong, Canberra, Lake Macquarie and Launceston, uh, awakenchurch.life. And if something special happens or if you have a question, you'll be able to contact and connect with Pastor Scott Hansey through that website, awakenchurch.life. Scott, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you and thank you to your listeners. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.